Welcome, welcome, welcome to Above Replacement Radio. I am your host, Chris Gianta. You know what Christy Mathewson wasn't worried about? S-I-E-R-A. When you're thinking about Pedro Siriaco, I mean, the only one that can compete is maybe uh, Hannes Wagner's 1908 season. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Kern. Like, if we just clip together every time we've talked about him on other people's profiles, we've done a Mickey Cochran episode. I can't get past Rabbit Marinville. It's it's not necessarily Hall of Fame. It's not necessarily above average, but we can guarantee you we are better than just the standard replacement level college sophomore. And welcome to Above Replacement Radio, where we're talking baseball, kind of whenever. I'm your host, Chris Gianta. Over there, uh, across from me, is, as you cannot see on YouTube, unfortunately, is Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, I am doing very well. A lot of things have happened since our last show, including, and probably most importantly, uh, I became the rightful owner of the one and only Barry Bonds baseball reference page flag. Yes, exactly. Uh, big things going on in the baseball world, yeah. and uh, it does not stave away from, from ARR as we have acquired a giant uh, what are the measurements on that 20 flag? by 30 20 by 30 flag of Barry Bonds's <laughs> baseball reference page um it's pretty easy to read as there's a lot of bolded yep uh a lot of bolded and yellowed uh statistics bold there. and gold yeah i mean it's uh it's it's pretty beautiful i we, i've seen it in person it's just uh it's it's art it's mesmerizing yeah all i can say is like Check uh check my Twitter page if you want to see it because I tweeted a picture of me holding it. It went out. It came out so perfectly. Like I was worried that either part of it would be cropped off or it would be blurry, but no, it turned out perfect. Yeah, it uh, it did come out perfect, and yeah, I would I would think it would have came out blurry because I mean, there's so many things. There's it's so many little little numbers. Yeah, there's 22 seasons. There's like like 50 columns. Yeah, there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, they've got like the reach dot or not reach on errors, but like uh, the intentional walks. Yeah. They've got the total bases, the sacrifice flies, the sacrifice bunts, which you don't really need. <laughs> yeah. On, all uh, on the standard batting page. Yeah. All four of his sacrifice hits in his career, <laughs> which all came. Uh, <laughs> let's see. There were they all came uh, after the mo- three of them came after 1987. <laughs> His rookie year was 19, after, after 1989. His rookie year was 1986, by yeah. the way. <laughs> yep. Uh, so after his second season, um, yeah, pretty fascinating. Amazing that uh, everyone was able to pull it off, and yeah, that's gonna that's gonna stick around a while for sure. Yeah, it is. Um, in other baseball news, uh, <laughs> you know, chaos was the was the theme of the weekend. Uh, we got some of it. And it, are you a little surprised that today we're not talking about a game 163? Absolutely. Like, I was – the Red Sox were down five. I know you were at the Patriots game yesterday, so I don't know how yeah. much attention you were really paying at this time. But uh, the Red Sox were down 5-1. The Blue Jays had already wrapped up their game. I was like, we're playing a game 163 tomorrow. Yeah. Like, it's it's going to happen. Like, we're down 5-1 to the Nationals. I think uh, Garrett Richards had just allowed a, a two-out single to Alex Avila in his last game. Oh my God! Everyone in the Nationals was playing their last game <laughs> yeah, yesterday. Yeah. I was like, "What are we doing here?" They did two retirement ceremonies in one game. <laughs> I mean, it was like the old timers game, literally. Out there in like, Washington. and the funny thing is, like, okay, it's there's such polar opposites. The two players, like Ryan Zimmerman, like, you know, if anyone in Nationals history deserves a ceremony as they f- exit their last game with the team, like, it's him. Like, yeah. 
we you know we've heard the story first ever draft pick from the Nationals played in every season that they've existed except for the pandemic year uh age 36 had a 104 OPS plus this year it was actually above average for his last year like you know that guy he probably leads every Nationals count stat uh he has to right yeah, probably home run. Like, yeah, home doubles, runs. hits, games played. Maybe exactly. not. No, maybe not stolen bases. Yeah, not stolen bases. Yeah, we got uh, what Roger Bernadino. I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. Um, and then Alex Avila. Who? How many? How many games did Alex Avila play with the Nationals? Um, may, maybe maybe double digits. Uh, yeah, thirty-four. Thirty. Yeah. All right. Thirty-four. I was, I was correct. <laughs> yeah, the Nationals. They got to salute their guy. Yeah. Alex Avila as he exited his last game. And it was funny. I, I had the most bizarre uh, viewing experience of the Red Sox because, uh, yeah, w- what happened? Yeah, I was I was at the Patriots game. It was a big one. It was Brady coming back to Foxborough, and it was probably his last time playing at Foxborough uh, altogether. So, like, and when the schedule came out, that was mid-May. I had no idea the importance of game 162 uh, <laughs> at the uh, – yeah, by the end of the year, I, I had no idea what was going to be happening. So, uh, yeah, so I was driving. So I wasn't driving, but I was a passenger on the way to Foxborough as the games were starting at 3 p.m. So, like, we were, like, trying to listen on the radio a little bit, but my uncle is a little talkative, so I couldn't really hear much of that. And, uh, you know, I was kind of getting updates. I was going on my phone and stuff. And then uh, eventually we get to, uh, like, the stadium area. Where Rich Hill got arrested. Yeah, where Rich Hill got arrested. Uh, and we're, we're very early because we, we didn't get into the parking lot we wanted because we wanted to tailgate. We normally tailgate. We couldn't tailgate. So we went to the stadium way early, like an hour and a half before gates open. So there were restaurants out, outside. Uh, all of them were filled up. And uh, we were just walking through, and we were passing, like, bars that had the Red Sox game on. And we knew it was 5-1 to one Nationals. So I see a bunch of cheering fans, and I see Verdugo hit a two-run double. <laughs> and it's like, all right, all right, there we go. We got one. And then we get into Red Robin. And uh, this is where it got very intense. We were in Red Robin. We were, uh, we were at the restaurant. We were facing the bar, but we weren't at the bar. They had three TVs on. All of them were featuring Packers Steelers, which <laughs> was odd. We're in Foxborough, Massachusetts, and we have the most important Red Sox game of the year on. But eventually, probably the most important Red Sox game since 2018. Exactly. And uh, my phone, I got one bar of 5G. There's also like fake 5G on my phone. It doesn't really work, so I can't get any updates. So it's the uh, top of the eighth. It's five to five. Red it was Sox. ninth. Uh, well, yeah, it was top of the ninth. At, or yeah. But I think they tied it. Bo- uh, top they tied of the eighth. A, no, it was seventh, I think. Okay, top of the seventh. So, I, so I think we entered entered the red red robin at in the top of the eighth. So for about twenty minutes, I'm in limbo. I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> and uh, eventually, someone at the bar requests for the TV to be turned on. But that turns into a whole process, as you know. You think you would think a red robin in Foxborough, Massachusetts would know where Nesson is on the <laughs> television screen. However, this was a whole process. They go through every ch- – they, they scroll through every channel, all like 600 of them. They, they can't seem to find it. They probably pass through Nesson at some point. Eventually, they go to uh, – they, they like filter it. Sports, baseball, 
and they they go to that. But it's the MLB package. It's it's blacked, it's blacked out. out. It's oh blacked my God. out. So they click on it and it can't and it doesn't work out. Eventually, they find Nesson, and as soon as they maximize it, ball going to center field. Center fielder's back to <laughs> the the plate. Devers two run home run. Yep. Everyone, everyone who wanted the Red Sox game on is clapping. Every it's. It was a great moment. You couldn't tell if they were clapping for the Devers home run or the fact that they found Nesson and got it on. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, it's, it was an amazing way to uh, see that home run, and it was very stressful. My, I had a very different experience. I was working, and my, my work is I sit in this room completely alone at the time I was alone because I work in the uh, room for – people in my major in college mm. for people to come in if they need help. I was the only one in that room at the time. Uh, no one really usually comes in on a Sunday at 6 o'clock p.m. And, um, you know, I had it hooked up to the to the HDMI on the TV, and I just yelled, like, screaming, <laughs> like, cheering, in a room by myself. Nobody else was there. And uh, that's, how I watched, that's how I watched it all end. And then after the Red Sox ended, the only other game on was Angels-Mariners, which obviously that game did not have any meaning at that point. Yeah. So I was just like, I just sat there in silence for like 30 minutes and watched the end of that game. I watched Kyle Seeger get his ovation, which was pretty cool. He got a second one after the game and a first one when he got taken out of the game. Uh, it was it was a cool moment. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it, it matched the theme of chaos. I think we should also go into like kind of what led to these moments because heading into the weekend, it was, I think the Yankees had a two game advantage for the home mm-hmm. game. Um, so the Red Sox were at a two-game disadvantage, and Blue Jays and Mariners were both uh, like a game out. Or last episode, the Mariners were a half game out. Um, yeah, they uh, they ended up tying the Red Sox they because en- they lost to the Orioles. Yeah, they ended up tying the the Red Sox. So yeah, the Mariners head into head into the last series tied for a, a wild card spot. Unfortunately, they lost. Uh, unfortunately for them, they lost on Friday night. Friday night. They had some opportunities with runners in scoring position. It didn't work out for them, and uh, they lost two to one. They had a, a very clutch game, a very uh, WPA heavy game on Saturday, where uh, Mitch, Mitch ha- Hanniger had an 850 WPA. <laughs> he, yeah, Mitch Hanniger. He went what four for four? Yeah, with three go ahead hits. Yeah, he he literally put the team on his back, and. Uh, you know he he led them to victory five to four, but uh, they they were a game back anyway. So the Red Sox even if they won that last game, it would not have mattered. Yeah, it would not have mattered. They That's... would have needed to sweep uh, the same way the Red Sox swept. Mm-hmm. And but yeah, I mean that's that was a that was a fun. They were like a nice. Uh, it's like when a a character like a fun character gets introduced like seventy five percent of the way through the movie. <laughs> It's like, oh wow, this, this and they kill him at the last second. Yeah, yeah, but he's like, he's you can't take his eyes off of him the entire time until he gets killed. Right. That's 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 what it was like uh, with the Mariners. So I mean, shout out to them to adding to the, for, shout out, yeah. for adding to the uh, chaos. Shout out to them for lasting all the way through one sixty two. Yes. Like they were supposed to be under five hundred, like fourth place in their division at best, and they they're really they're set up for the future very really well because. Kellenick's going to develop further next year. Gilbert's going to develop further next year. Uh, George Kirby's going to come up next year. Julio Rodriguez is going to come up next year. They'll probably 
get some people out in free agency trades. Um, they got a really interesting team ahead of them. I think, honestly, especially if Correa leaves the Astros, next year could be the year we see the Mariners take the AL West. Yeah, I think that's very possible. There's potential. I mean, that's definitely their ceiling. Um, I don't think it would be crazy to say that. And, I mean, yeah, Kel, uh, Kelnick really brought it around. He was a slightly alarming at, at a point and, like, a very a particularly bad one. But I think he had a very, very good September. Like I over, think he had, like, a high 8s OPS, yeah. Yeah, high 8s or, or somewhere in the 900s maybe. It was great. Um, he really brought it around. So that's uh, a good sign. He's probably not going to be a bust. Uh and then, yeah, you got Rodriguez coming up in the next year, uh, hopefully. Pro- <laughs> hopefully the CBA makes it so he c- can come up uh, a little. Immediately, old. yeah. So, like, yeah. by the way, did you see um, O'Neal Cruz this weekend? Um, <laughs> I, I was introduced to his Savant page today. Yeah, dude, he <laughs> hit a ball. So, first of all, he played the, oh, yeah. the most Pirates thing ever. They bring him up with two games left in the season. <laughs> Like I, I would expect nothing less. <laughs> They're probably gonna, and you know, if the, uh, if the CBA keeps the um, service time manipulation, the same thing is probably going to happen. It's actually his twenty third birthday today. Uh, that's pretty cool. Well, happy um, birthday! You know, he was traded for Tony Watson. Um, that's how the Pirates got him. They traded Tony Watson to the Dodgers. Got O'Neill Cru- Cruz. Oh wow! Yeah. So look at first, the Pirates wheeling. In I know, I know. Look at Ben, or, uh, not Ben Jarrington. Look at um, Neil Huntington. Yeah. <laughs> pulling the pulling the strings on that one. Um. Anyway, he plays two games, hits a ball 118 miles an hour in his second at bat. <laughs> it's crazy. I I actually do recall seeing a baseball savant article. Uh, yeah. At the top there. And then, in the second game. You need to you need to just pull this up, Chris, just to look at it. But he hits, a, hits his first big league home run. Looks like a half swing on a ball that was not in the in the strike zone that he like almost puts in the Allegheny. That's great. Yeah, like it was the most unreal feat of power I've seen from someone just entering the league. Oh wow, he's six foot seven. Yeah, he's a six seven shortstop. <laughs> he's six foot seven. No way. Is he the tallest person to ever play shortstop? I mean. Yeah. I think I think I can check that. Yeah, I mean, uh, unless John Roush has something <laughs> to say about that. Um, yeah, he. <laughs> that's pretty wild. Yeah, his 99th percentile in max exit velocity <laughs> is hilarious. Obviously. His average exit velocity is over 100. Yeah, 100.5. Uh, yeah, so he's got how many batted balls? He's got five batted balls. Um, Ah, sixty percent ground ball rate. That's rough. Oh no! You hate to see that. He's a bust. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, needs to get that launch angle up for sure. Yeah, I gotta get that launch angle up. Obviously. Uh, yeah, it's at four point six. I mean, come on, we gotta do better than that. How um, do I? How do I find height on the? Uh, on, I don't know. On the game finder. Actually, I think I gotta go to season finder, not game yeah, finder. Yeah, I think you gotta do season finder. <laughs> it's on one of those classic mistakes. Oh, classic! What a amateur hour on the <laughs> stat head. <laughs> You've been using this for a year and a half. Don't know how to find players' height. Yeah, of course you got to go to statistical factor, which you think you think it's biographical filter, but no, 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 no. How many inches is six foot seven? Uh, uh, let's see, twelve times six is ninety. Seventy-nine. Oh, it's seventy-nine. I was way off. All right, seventy-nine. Uh, shortstop. Yeah. At least fifty percent of games. <laughs> he played it at a hundred percent of games. Great. Just him. 
Oh, wow. It's literally just him. He's the tallest shortstop ever. <laughs> wow. Let's go. Tallest shortstop to play a season 50% of games played. Uh, let's see. Let's let's narrow down to like 1% of the time. Or like one game even. Yeah, seriously. Oh, yeah, duh. Why don't I just do one game? Why did why did I do percent of season? Yeah. Well, that's even that's even cool. I, there's got to be like one. Richie Sexton might have. Or, did Rich- no, um, Joel Guzman. In 2007, played 16 games at shortstop. He is uh, also six foot seven. All right, so uh, so he's tied for the tallest o- shortstop. O'Neill Cruz has some work to do. Yeah, he's, he's got 14 games to go. He's got to do some stretching. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's the tallest shortstop to hit a home run, though. That's true. That's good. Yeah, that's good. We love seeing that. But yeah, O'Neill Cruz. I mean, something to be somewhat excited about there. I'm glad, I'm glad that we're talking about recapping the last weekend going into the playoffs. We're talking about the Pirates. Yeah, yeah. well, you know, we, we cover everything. Speaking of which, now that we're talking about the Pirates and we talked about bad ownership, can we talk about the Rockies? Um, you saw that. I sent it to you. That oh, quote. So. Oh, my God. <laughs> so they hired Bill Schmidt to be their new GM, the fourth GM in franchise history, which is actually, like, crazy. Um, first of all, they hired from within. If there's one franchise in baseball that should not hire from within, yeah, <laughs> it's the Colorado Rockies. Yeah, you guys aren't the Dodgers. Well, <laughs> he's going to get into that. <laughs> did you just say that instinctively? <laughs> I did. I nice. Did. <laughs> nice. Um, you know who else was a hire from within? Jeff Breidich. Uh, he, was, he was the last one. And he was also a hire from within. Yeah. <laughs> he worked in the... So, like, they're doing the same thing already. And I wanted it sucks because I wanted to give the the Rockies credit because like they were supposed to be a 100 loss team. That's where they were projected to be across the board. They lost 87 games. Like they actually performed pretty well. Yeah, we we predicted them as a last place team, and and they ended up especially like in the later half of the season. They they, they brought they put it together. They had a better record than the Padres from May 1st on. Yeah, that's which is wild. That's five sixths of the season. But like, oh my God, the front office just keeps doing it. Yeah. So anyway, Bill Schmidt, right, they hire from within, which is already a mistake. And he says, uh, I'm going to read this tweet from a reporter uh, from the, is it the Colorado Gazette? Um, I think so. The Denver Digest? The, De- the Denver Gazette. Okay. okay. <laughs> uh, Bill Schmidt says he plans to pursue all avenues to get better this offseason, including trades and free agents. But they're, they aren't changing their philosophy. Quote, we're not the Dodgers. We're the Colorado Rockies. We scout, draft, and develop, which is the funniest quote of all time because either either he was given that from somebody who isn't paying attention or he's not paying attention. Yeah. Because, like, even with – I understand what he's trying to say in that he's trying to create this narrative that the Dodgers just spend a lot of money, which they do. They spend yeah. more money than anybody else. But how do you think they're able to trade for Max Serger and Mookie Betts? Exactly. Exactly. Like people will look at payroll and think, oh, you know, Dodgers, they're they just buy their championships. It's like they do develop guys and then extend them a lot. Uh, you know, p- case in point number one, Clayton Kershaw. Yep. Uh, and then I'm trying to think of other guys. Like I guess they're not going to do that with Seager, but they could have done it with Seager if they wanted to. But but yeah, they've they've gotten a lot of guys through their uh, homegrown talent. They've had a lot of homegrown talent, and yeah, I mean, you look around. You look around the roster. Clayton Kershaw uh, is homegrown. Corey Seager's homegrown. Uh, 
Justin Turner, he's not homegrown, but they got him like for pretty cheap, and they pretty yeah. much developed him. They might as well have developed him. Uh, yeah. Cody, Sorry, Orioles and Mets. Yeah, Cody Bellinger was developed and, developed. and then you have you know the Betts, Scherzers, and uh, Trey Turners who were dra- who were uh, who were traded for guys that the Dodgers developed. Hey, so. Ruiz, Ruiz, Alex Verdugo, um, Jeter Downs. Well, Jeter Downs came from the Reds. Yeah, but they also, I mean, that's acquired yeah, yeah. through a trade. Yep, and yep, yep. No one, they, they not an, not through anyone that they signed through free agency. The point is, like, every time you think the Rockies front office can't get worse, they just, they amaze you. Yeah. Like, it's it's like, oh, you thought trading Nolan Arenado two years after we extended him was bad? Wait until we don't trade Trevor Story at the trade deadline. Yeah. <laughs> and then it was like, oh, you thought we couldn't hit ru- you we thought you thought we couldn't do any worse when we didn't trade Trevor Story. Well, watch this. Watch our new GM's press conference. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, imagine <laughs> Also like what what's what's their crazy track record of just being great old developers? Like I mean, it's it's Arenado yeah. story, but I mean, what Todd Helton, Troy Tulowitzki, Troy Tulowitzki. That's like four guys in the le- in, in like franchise 30 years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ooh, we got some breaking news. Oh, uh, Luis Rojas is out as Mets manager, which I think my, we I think we all saw that coming. My twenty twenty my twenty twenty one NL manager of the year prediction. <laughs> my my twenty twenty NL manager of the year <laughs> prediction. Hey, go Let's here. Go. Here's to being wrong. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, let's yeah, let's talk about that. let's talk about that. Anything more on the Rockies we should get into? I I think one thing I just wanted to touch on real quick: CJ Crone was like probably one of the best free agent signings they've ever had. Yeah, honestly, he, he was signed on a one year, one million dollar minor league deal. I mean, that's a val yeah, like, that was a, a really good pick. <laughs> In all seriousness, like that's pr- legit, probably dollar for dollar, definitely. Mm-hmm. It was better than uh, Brian Shaw. Or uh, and well, who who else did they sign? Did, was it Jake? McGee? Wade Davis, Jake McGee. I forgot Jake McGee Dude, the, was on the, the Rockies. The Super Bowl pen of 2018. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know, they made the playoffs. They did, but <laughs> they beat the Cubs. wasn't wasn't because of their bullpen. Yeah, no, <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, Luis Rojas is out as Mets manager. Uh, yeah, and I guess he could have seen it coming. I guess maybe based on their on their slide but i mean yeah i don't know the mets just they, they kind of mets this year again I don't how even, many I don't managers have they gone through in the last like five years like they went from terry collins to um mickey, mickey calloway to carlos beltran exactly. <laughs> i'm counting carlos beltran yeah. i don't care so luis Rojas, they're going for their fifth manager i think since 2017 yeah, they're they make they made uh, Terry Collins look like he was Bobby Cox with the <laughs> with the tenure he had. Um, yeah, yeah, he uh, he he had a he had a decent run at least for a Met in Mets years for sure. Yeah, it's funny the Mets are going on their what their fourth GM. Oh my god! And yeah. they because what they had I mean Alderson's there, but he's he was the president. He's the president now. He was the GM in the last five years. Their GMs have also been. Um, Alderson to Brody Van Wagenen to Jared Porter to uh, Zach Scott. Now, I don't know if Zach Scott's going to keep his job. Yeah. I or know. I don't know what's going to happen. But, like, oh, my God, that is, they are just a rotating door of front office personnel. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, but, yeah, I guess I guess the Luis Rojas uh, firing makes a little more sense because this was his second year and they 
were kind of disappointing two years in a row. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I think I think a lot of what expected what's expected out of managers is getting the best out of your players, and I mean, I'm not sure if that was exactly done. The one this year. the one moment I just remember from Rojas was um, there was a Mets and Dodgers game at City Field, and I believe in the ninth inning he brought in uh, Jury's Familia, I think it was, to face Will Smith. And Will Smith hit a home run, and then in the press conference he was like, "I wanted the righty righty matchup." And if you look at Will Smith, Will Smith's splits, it's entirely reversed. <laughs> he is like he had like a 970 OPS against righties. Oh my god. Yeah. So, hey. Uh, That's that says all you need to know. Yeah, I mean. It's all there. In 2010, it would be the correct move. In 2010, it's like, well, you know what? He played, you know, he played the matchup, and it just didn't work out. Camilo's got to do his job. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Good piece of hitting by Will Smith. I mean, what can you say? He was facing a righty. Yeah. You know, good piece of hitting. He's, he's got to be hitting like 200 against righties. <laughs> he's a yep. power hitting catcher. He, no way <laughs> can he do well against righties. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't really know what to say about the Luis Rojas, uh, firing that much. I mean, it, it just feels like we, we talk I, about this every two it. years. We saw it. Yeah. I mean, I, I saw this one coming, um, I'm curious. I was thinking, what other managers do we think are getting fired? Because Luis Rojas just got fired. Jace Tingler got fired over the weekend. I'm thinking. Oh yeah, we got to talk um, about that. I'm thinking maybe. The, do you think the Diamondbacks uh, move on from Tori Lovello after that season? Um, potentially. I mean, he's been around for what five years. Yes. I, yeah, 2017 was his first year. Yeah. Because I, I remember the Red Sox had like the highest bench coach salary mm-hmm. of 2016. So yeah, he's this was their fifth year, his fifth year there, two consecutive disappointing seasons as yeah. well. So yeah, I mean, uh, I think they might want to just redirect the team. Yeah, especially there. after that season, like yeah. that was a brutal year for them. And, um, it's, and it's kind of inexcusable because I think that roster can do a little better. I'm trying to think, who else? Who else do you think would move on? I, I gotta look at like the list of teams. I'm just going through my head. I think the Phillies should move on from Joe Girardi. I don't know if you know the funny thing, like. All this year, we've been talking about like the Phillies haven't reached 500 since 2011, and naturally this year they went 82 and 80. Yeah, are you can't say they're not. They didn't improve this year. <laughs> they had their best season in a decade. Yeah, which I, is really sad. It is. Sad. Um, I'm trying to think. AL. I, I wonder if Bal- <laughs> if you're if you're a team like Baltimore, do you just write it out with Brandon Hyde? Do you just like? Let's wait until this whole Adley Rushman, Grayson Rodriguez, yeah, yeah. whole class get up. DL and, Hall, and then eventually we can we can get things going. But oh, uh, I don't know, Rocco Baldelli. Ooh, it's an interesting one. Um, I don't know. I think, one thing I one I was also thinking is Joe Madden, but I feel like the Ra- the Angels would have just done that by now. True. Yeah. That's I don't know, maybe not. It's a West Coast team. It's t- noon there. I oh. feel like they should move on from Joe Madden, but right, right. Who knows? Um, what else? I'm trying to what think, else? what else in that division? I think everyone else in that division staying. By the way, big update: the Atlanta Braves only ended up playing 161 games, so they're coming in well rested. Yeah, they are. Yeah, uh, no. <laughs> but uh, back to back to the managers. Al Al managers. Uh, Larusa is probably going to stay. Um, I think Ross stays. David, I think Ross stays as David well. Ross yeah, stays. I do too. Um, I mean, Pittsburgh overperformed this year. I could argue. <laughs> I still, I mean, like, I never. I'm gonna be honest. I never liked that hire. 
Uh, I was never a huge Derek Sheldon guy. I also would love to see the Royals move on from Mike Matheny because I th- like they got a young core coming up. Right, right. And I think I think it's time for them to start looking in a new direction. You know, right. like they're kind of I feel like they're going to move on from this core. I think this might be the year they finally trade Midware Mid- Whit Merrifield. <laughs> Merrifield. <laughs> um I think that could happen. I think everyone else is probably sticking with Oh yeah, the Yankees. Do you, do you think they fire Boone? <laughs> I think it I think it really depends. We can't answer that one yet. If they lose Tuesday, he's gone. I think if they I feel like honestly, I I might confidently say if they don't make it to the ALCS, I think he's getting the boot. I think that's yeah, I think that's the right call. Right, because like that would they be were, two consecutive years where you just fall away, sh- and it would be two years in a row losing to the Rays. If exactly. They, if they do, in fact, make it there. Indeed. Um, I mean, it, well, if they don't make it to the ALCS, it's two straight years of losing to a division rival. Yes, that's true. Regardless of how that happens. Exactly. Um, yeah. If yeah, if Aaron Boone's depend like his job rests in the Yankees' playoff pursuit right now. Yeah, he it does. I mean, it's a to uh, equate it to like a Red Sox thing, it's it's a John Farrell 2017 thing, mm-hmm. um, where they've just have they've have too much talent to not reach like the championship series. Exactly. So you gotta you gotta be better and you gotta get you gotta move on uh, if you're the Yankees. But if they find a way to to rally and, and get to that championship series, potentially World Series for the first time since 2009, um, if if he gets to the World Series, he's definitely yeah he's, he's got to stay. Uh, all right, and then I, I feel like remember in 2019 when there were like eight managers fired. It's not yeah, gonna, not it's, not a lot this year it's so not far. Be like that, this I think year. we've only got two right now. Yeah, because like Cleveland sticking to their guns, Detroit obviously sticking to their yeah, guns. Yeah, you got to. Uh, you know, Kansas City, it's questionable. Minnesota, questionable. But yeah, I mean, I think the AL West. I feel like there's. I feel not like everyone that, stays except for maybe Joe Madden. Maybe which Madden. I, I don't know. It's the Angels. Yeah, and like I don't know. Do the Rangers just mess around and fire Woodward? I don't think so. I don't know. I don't really. That, that, I don't think that would be fair for him. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> what else? What What else can you do? Yeah. Uh. Yeah. I, maybe or, I don't know. <clears throat> I don't. I don't want to suggest it, but is there a possibility of of Davy Martinez being out? Being out. I don't know. Um. A part of me wants to say that like most of their shortcomings this year came after the trade deadline when he was you know I would agree when he didn't have Max Serger, Trey Turner, uh, Kyle Schwarber, like all those guys. Um, I feel like it's a pitching coach thing. Like, yeah. like how long were we talking about the Nationals just perennially, perennially having a great starting staff, and Strasburg Strasburg is hurt all the time. Corbin has been disappointing. Like uh, Serger's gone. I feel like that's a pitching coach thing. And by the way, like their offense was actually better like as a team after the trade deadline. Yeah, yeah. Because they walked – well, most of that's because of Soto. Because Soto was like, yeah, I'm going to have a 200-weighted runs created plus for two <laughs> months. Exactly. Uh, yeah, their their offense was not it, – it's not as bad as I thought it would be mm-hmm. considering like Soto's really the only notable guy in there yep. that I can think of, especially after the trade deadline. Um and uh, and yeah, I I think that's that's mostly it. Who's on the hot seat? Rojas and Tingler are already out. Um, 
How crazy is that? Tingler's gone. Matheny, Baldelli, maybe. Madden, maybe. Uh, Martinez, probably not. But it, there's a possibility, and then, and then the the bottom feeder teams. There's always like maybe they maybe they do it. But, where do you think where do you think the Padres go from here? Yeah, and for reference, uh, yeah, Jace Tingler got fired. The P- Padres manager after two after one season, basically, after, we'll call it that. Yeah, and he, it's been two seasons, but it was really after one season. Yeah, and in 2020, did he finish second in manager of the year? He finished second because Don Mattingly won it. I feel like. I feel like Tingler was kind of just the scapegoat here. Like, the Padres needed to do something drastic, and that was kind of just the answer. I would agree. Yeah. yeah. I Like, I don't think – I don't really know how much of this is to blame solely on him. I think he'll have no problem finding a job somewhere else. Uh, but th- they needed to do something after that season, and this was just that move. Right. Exactly. Like, uh, when you have a collapse like that, there you, there needs to be something that uh, – when you have a collapse like that with that much talent on the team, and another way to equate it to the Red Sox is this is the franchise I know the most. 2011 Red Sox, they had a, they were their their overall record was better, but they obviously had the seven and twenty September collapse where they lost like a nine game lead on the on the Rays in the in that month. And what they did is they fired Francona, they fired Theo, they fired Theo, and they got two. Like they ended up firing, or they ended up hiring guys that were not as good at their job, but it just they felt like they needed to do it, um, because it because the fans wanted an answer. Yeah, you, and that was that you needed an answer, and obviously, like Francona's been a a great manager with Cleveland, but it, uh, one of the craziest things, Cleveland just had their first losing season since 2012. Yeah, it's surprising. That's that's considering the payroll. Exactly. I mean, this is probably a culmination of the payroll. Like, it's never been worse than it was this year Yeah. in yeah. recent memory. Like, you trade Lindor, you get rid of, uh, it's, you know, everyone. I mean, it's just this is this was kind of supposed to happen, I guess. Right, exactly, exactly. Like, yeah, when you, when you deplete the roster that much. And, uh, by the way, Jose Ramirez is just so underrated. He is. Like, uh, I, I think I'm – gonna go on a tweet thread at one point but i don't know when that's gonna be but he's got he's got some great stats and uh, i think since the start of 2017 only mike trout and mookie Betts have more f4 than him that makes sense he's like perennially a mvp finalist he should have won it in 2020 yeah yeah and he's got solid defense solid offense solid solid uh, solid offense from the batter's box and on the bases like uh great and it'll be nice whenever he does get out of cleveland uh, on the free agent market, probably after 2023, which is when his options run out. But anyway, it's not about the it's not about Cleveland. Uh, yeah, I th- I would agree with you that the Padres thing is is mostly a thing of just pointing the finger at somebody. They're not going to get rid of uh, AJ Preller because I mean he did everything he could. Honestly, yeah, like, I don't know, I don't know how. I mean, like the only thing you could really point your finger to with him is just the trade deadline. It's right. like, oh, you only got Adam Frazier, and the, the Dodgers got Serger and, and Turner, and the Giants got Chris Bryant, and you only got Adam Frazier. But, like, I don't think yeah. realistically anything more than that was going to get done ever by anybody. Right. And, and if and if they did, we would have been like, what are we doing here? Uh, yeah, yeah. And, like, <laughs> oh, yeah, if, and it, it would be so, it would be so uh, overkill. I would say if, if there's something to blame Prowler on this year – 
all of the guys that he traded in like 2020 or so are all performing. Like if you go back and look at that Mariners Mariners trade, like Luis Torrens, Ty France, mm-hmm. Matt Br- Matt Brash, even like all those guys performed very well right. this year. Right, right. Um, that is true. Like, and Austin Nola hasn't really been mm-hmm. what they were were getting last year. Um, I'm, I, that's what I think. I got to look at his stats. No, he hasn't. Oh, I mean, no, he hasn't. He was he was definitely below league average this year. Yeah, he had. Let's take a look. Point nine wins above replacement, seven sixteen OPS, one hundred one OPS plus, and only fifty six games played. So, uh, yeah, it wasn't wasn't the greatest. And <clears throat> what also wasn't the greatest for Preller was the fact that the big pitcher he traded for in the middle of last year. Uh, you know, he's he's down with Tommy John right now. Uh, so, and the two pitchers he traded for, or the yeah, the two pitchers he traded for last winter off, off season, yeah, did not work out. Uh, yeah. You know they did not they did not meet expectations, so you know you don't really blame it on Preller because obviously when when you go back to the off season we were all talking about how great moves how great of moves they were so you can't you know you can't just say oh they were bad moves now because at the time they were great so yeah it's you just kind of have to point a finger at uh, at at the manager there um, if you're if you're the Padres because I mean they're. They've made they've created their own window, yeah, of success. Like they've got to get something done in the next in the next three or four years, um, based on all the like veteran guys they've gotten. Uh, all right. <coughs> uh, do we want to? Yeah. I mean, we've we've talked about the Mariners. This was all over the place. Yeah. Well, this is this is what these are the best episodes. Where yeah. You can just there's so much that went on that you can just go anywhere. You can go any direction. We could. Um. I don't know. What we, do you want to talk about? We talked about the Mariners. We talked about the Rockies. We talked about the Rockies. We talked about the Pirates. You know, big story in baseball right yeah. now is the Pittsburgh Pirates. Um, I mean, uh, the Yan- I don't know the Yankees. The the Yan- maybe the Yankees uh, not being able to host after a, a rough series with the Rays. I I was a little more confident with the Yankees going into the weekend because I thought, you know, I Rays, Rays don't have much to play for and Yankees have momentum. But I thought the Rays, like, the only thing they had to play for is just the idea of not having, like, of just, like, spoiling, playing spoiler for the Yankees. Because, like, you know, that's a team that beat them last year. They've had animosity between them in the in the recent years. I was like, oh. Yeah, yeah. That. But that, you know, I don't know how much that really means in the weight of we got to just, you know, get ready for next week. Yeah, just get – Get our guys innings, get our guys plate appearances, but uh, and <coughs> Rays, by the way, en route to that, are uh, they got a hundred wins? Which they is, did. Um, obviously, most in franchise history. Uh, in in the sh- in the in their uh, twenty twenty four years now of race. Can you history. imagine? Like, imagine if I told you last year, after the World Series ended, that the Rays would. Lose Blake Snell in a trade, lose Charlie Morton to free agency, lose Tyler Glass now to injury, and be a 100 win team. They 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 broke the code. Yeah, <laughs> they broke the code, and it's it's really gonna break people's brains when when people when say Drew like, Rasmussen starts game one and they win like, like five nothing. Well, it's like you know, uh, po- the postseason is all about starting pitching. It's all about starting pitching, and then you got the and you got freaking Rasmussen yeah, out there <laughs> Drew, throwing four shutout innings, and then you get the stable out there yeah, for game, five. Game one of the ALDS, Chris Sale versus Drew Rasmussen. Guess yeah. who wins? <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> it's probably going to be Rasmussen or whoever pitches the fifth inning. <laughs> yeah. And, and gets the win. <laughs> you got. I mean, what like what are we looking at in that rotation? Like Drew Rasmussen, Michael Waka, Luis Patino, Shane McClanahan. Is Rich Hill going out there? Probably not. No, because he's on the Mets. Or oh yeah, oh Rich yeah, Rich Hill's on the Mets. Yeah. Oh yeah, they, I was I've I've had that trade go back and forth in my yep. head where I thought he got traded <laughs> from the Mets to the Rays. <laughs> I don't know why. Both would make sense. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Rich Hill is not. Yeah, he's not on the Mets. Uh, but anyway, yeah, you have <laughs> you have just a bunch of like random guys. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Uh, so yeah, the Rays like they played spoiler. Their offense was on fire. Uh, Garrett Cole had a had a rough. A rough start, not against the Rays. That was against the Blue Jays. Never mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, who who did the Yankees have go this past weekend? They had, um, well, Tyon started game one sixty two, but he only faced the order like once. He didn't go very long into that uh-huh. outing. Uh, Montgomery pitched one of the games, and who am I missing? Was it Herman? No. Um. Was it? It wasn't Andrew Heaney. He's not starting anymore. No, no. He, they released him. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, he was not. Um, It was... Oh, it was Cortez. Uh, oh, yeah, Nestor. Nestor yeah. Cortez. Uh, yeah, and he, he, had a, he had a decent outing. I think they the offense didn't show up on yeah. Friday, right? They lost the, like the, four, the, four to three. Yeah, yeah. it was four. And, and, three, and two of those runs were in the ninth inning. Yep. Uh, so... They almost, almost won Friday. Then on Saturday, Brandon Lau hit three home runs. <laughs> Brandon Lau, it was the Brandon Lau game. He really just brought it together, uh, and uh, they won what twelve to two. Yeah. And yesterday, Yankees saved face. Uh, yeah, Gio Urshela had a wild catch. He I did. heard. <laughs> no, he did. I was watching it live. And by the way, you gotta see the the replay of Angel Hernandez on that play. Okay. <laughs> so, so did you see the play at all? Um, not really. That sure. Service. Okay. So Gio Urshela, he's playing third base, and uh, Austin Meadows hits a pop up towards the third base dugout, which is the Rays dugout, and Gio runs 126 feet, like makes the catch and like jumps like face first into the Rays dugout, like as the ball was like right where the stairs are, mm-hmm. so like he just ran straight into the dugout, like no wall or anything. He went straight in there, right? And then Angel Hernandez, like went face first into the dugout to make sure he cut the ball. <laughs> and it was the funniest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> like you see the you see the, the like, fist go up. It's like you could have taken the stairs, man. Yeah. You're not trying to you're not trying to catch that ball. <laughs> but uh it's fitting that it has to be Angel Hernandez. Of course too. it's Hernandez. Yeah. So yeah, uh And yeah. the Rays the Rays went over ten with runners in scoring position that game. Yeah, this and the Yankees won one to nothing. Yeah, that's uh, that's something, and th- that's what robbed us of a of a game one sixty three between Yankees and Blue, Blue Jays. Jays. Um, yeah, Blue Jays. Yeah, I how that's so sad that they that they did not make it. But I'm I, I've had okay, so I've had many bad takes over the season, but one thing my I think my last wild card take was the was like my only correct one where I said. <laughs> Where, you know, the Blue Jays were storming hot, and I said I like the Red Sox because of what they have left and what 
what happened? The Nationals just could not win, could not find ways to win the game against the Red Sox, <laughs> and they came out on top. And they're hosting the wild card right. game. The blue. Someone tweeted like, "Oh, so you're telling me the Blue Jays missed the playoffs by one game?" And it showed a game in August against the Tigers where uh, they had the last. They had like the Tigers had the tying run on second with two outs in the ninth, and the ball was hit to second, and the second baseman like spiked it to Vlad Jr. and and it turned into an error, which turned into the game tying run, <laughs> oh, which they no. later lost in extras. Yeah, when you miss something by one game, you look at the entire you look at the schedule. Worst, you look at the worst loss you had. You look at the entire schedule and you're like, what What could have gone different? Yeah. Because I imagine the Blue Jays, like, we know, I know we uh, poo-poo it, but I feel like they had a decent run differential, too. Oh, they had a great run differential. Yeah. They had, like, one of the best, they had, I think, like, one of the best ones in the majors. I think they had the best one in their division, maybe besides the Rays. Yeah, I, I'm I would assume it was better than the Red Sox and Yankees. So, yeah, Tampa Bay has the highest run differential in the ALEs yeah. with 206, but Toronto is next best with 183. Yankees have plus 42, Red Sox have 80, So and Blue Jays have 183. So, uh, yeah, in terms of expected win-loss, Toronto was at 99 and 63. Wow. That's tough. Look at this. This was, this was the play that <laughs> the Blue Jays could have made the playoffs on. Oh, my God. It was a man out second, two outs in the ninth, up one. Tigers <laughs> won that game. I think that was the game. Was that the game when Miggy hit his 500th home run? It was. It was the game when Miggy hit his 500th home run. <laughs> so it wasn't even that long ago. No. It, it's what. What is funnier is if people just point out like a game on May 23rd. Yeah. Where <laughs> they lost some, like 12 to one where some nonsense happened. Yeah. yeah. It always says you miss the playoffs by one game. You always like find like the worst loss of the year. Right. Right. Exactly. It's, I was prepared for the Yankees to do that with like all of the worst losses of the season they've had. Right. Like the, the Jared Walsh grand slam against Chapman or like the, the Domingo Herman no hitter or the yeah. one where Brooks Christie threw four <laughs> wild pitches in one <laughs> inning. Um, yeah. Yeah, the the Chapman blown save against the Mets. Yep, the one against the uh, the Twins where they. Oh gave, my God! They were up by four. <laughs> two runs. They're up by two. Oh, they were up by two. He he yeah, gave, he up, gave four. up exactly. <laughs> Josh Donaldson and uh, Nelson, Nelson Cruz. Cruz hit home runs in that game. Yeah, it's like all the worst losses in the, of the season. Right, right. Uh, Nelson Cruz, I forgot by the way, is a Ray. I, I, he I is. forgot what he's doing. With the raises, he's like he's like league average. Yeah, he's been all right. He hasn't yeah. been the best, but uh, has a lot of postseason experience, yeah. which is scary. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah. Do we want to do we want to preview these wild card games now? I guess we could get into <laughs> that. We're uh, we're for time reference, we're forty six minutes into the program. This is a good episode. This is a good episode. These for- are the best. Yeah, I hope every off season episode is like this. Right. Well, yeah. We'll. We'll get way deep. We'll be yeah. talking about Hank Gass, right? <laughs> the 1929 Phillies. Oh my God! Yeah, <laughs> just <laughs> that embarrassment of franchise uh, of a team. Yeah, not franchise, but team. Chuck Klein and Lefty O'Doul were mashing that year. Oh my God! And they couldn't even finish above 500. I think they hit. I, they must have both hit 400 or something like that, or at least like 370. Uh, they had. A, they both had 150 uh, OPS plus. Yeah, because Lefty O'Doul had a seven point four win season 
Yeah, because when, when we were doing uh, history episodes and I was looking up like Lou Gehrig and Rogers Hornsby stats, yep. freaking lefty was right there <laughs> with him. And I was like, You're like, you're not even the coolest lefty ever. <laughs> I was like, you guys, why, why are you here? You don't belong here. Stop. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> oh, I hated it. But yeah, my dude slashed 398, 465, 622, 1087 for a 161 OPS plus and 7.4. How, how many home runs and doubles? <laughs> that, those, that's what really got me. Yeah, thirty-two home runs, thirty-five doubles. Okay, not as, not as, Re- many as realistic. I yeah, yeah, realistic. But well, it's pretty modern. Second in MVP. Who that? Who beat him out? Uh, who? Oh, it was Rogers Hornsby. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> well, that actually, you know what? Cubs won the pennant. You know, it makes a lot of sense. He actually deserved it a lot better. Yeah. Uh, he had an eleven thirty-nine OPS. That was that year. But, that was not one of the years he led in the quad slash line, though. But yeah, you know. Uh, Hornsby, Cardinals. Well, I don't want to segue into the Cardinals one. So let's just do Red Sox, Yankees, because that's what's happening first. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's going to be Red Sox, Yankees at Fenway Park. What else could you have asked for, baseball fans? Yeah, this is what you want. This is the rivalry. The rivalry. Only on Nesson. But no, it's not on Nesson. It's, on it's always the same three replays. It's like Carlton Fisk and Thurman Munson. It's the Aaron Boone home run, the Dave Roberts Ver- stolen base. Veritek and yeah. A-Rod going at it. Oh, and that is just awful from Pedro Martinez. <laughs> uh, <laughs> A disgusting act. <laughs> and he threw him on the ground. <laughs> what, what What else? You got uh, Clemens throwing it like four feet away from Manny Ramirez. <laughs> Ramirez pointing at him with the bat. He was not even close. <laughs> The dumbest stuff, <laughs> man. Man, was it? Man, was that a time that we like? We're not missed? alive for, yeah. Yeah, we were alive, but like we weren't. When aware. I was growing up, I was like, man, I really hate this Lyle Overbay guy from the <laughs> Yankees. Yeah, Vernon Wells has got to <laughs> stop with this. I've had enough of Jason Nix. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's just hashtag twenty thirteen Yankees. Uh, the the entire 2013 Yankees was like eligible for the I I haven't heard that name in years draft. Yeah, I mean. Even Kevin Euclid, even though he's a little yep. too relevant, but the fact that he was on that team is uh, is hilarious. Um, but yeah, the 2021 Yankees are in the wild card game facing the Red Sox. It's Cole versus Eovaldi. I don't really know what to think about this because there's so many different trends here. There are. Uh, like, Eovaldi's been great against the Yankees, but his last start against them was really bad. Exactly, yeah. Uh, Eovaldi, actually, I checked... Eovaldi before, uh, not that game, but before the uh, game where he faced them in the second half of that doubleheader in August. I think his, I think Eovaldi's ERA against the Yankees as a Red Sox uh, pitcher was like two two something, okay, which was insane. And that doesn't even include playoffs where he did well against them as well. Uh, I remember game three. Yeah, he had a good start against them. Game three. But, yeah, he had a terrible start against them in his last start. And Garrett Cole, not trending in the right direction, but we know him as a very good postseason pitcher. He has, like, a – his peripherals are very weird. It's, like, it was his last, like, three starts or so. It's, like, 7 ERA, 5 FIP, 3.5 XFIP because he's just been giving up a lot of home runs. Right. And he is a guy who works up in the zone, so it makes yeah. sense that fly balls might just Get find, their, find their way out. Mm-hmm. Um especially a hard thrower like himself and uh yeah it's it's hard to it's hard to identify like what's going what's what exactly is going to happen i don't really know what to expect here yeah like this is there's it's always weird like i feel like with the wild card games there's always one that's like unpredictable and one that's super predictable 
Right. This is the unpredictable one. Exactly. For sure. Yeah, I have no I have no idea what's going to happen uh on Tuesday. Like I think I think if the game was in Yankee Stadium, it would be a lot more favorable towards the Yankees, but the fact that it's in Fenway is a is sort it's of a, an equalizer. It's a big variable for yes, sure. Yes. Because the Yankees, hey, they just swept a series at Fenway. Like there's no saying that they can't go in there and win. Exactly, exactly. And I think I think the uh that series in particular is a detractor in my confidence uh in the Red Sox a little bit, but I mean, it is. How, is. how is Garrett Cole done at Fenway this year? It's one game. I remember he had. I he think, had that one start in June, but that was like his first start uh, before the. It was one of his first starts after the crackdown. There was the July one where he gave up, I think, a three run or a two run homer to Devers, but I think that was only three earned runs in like six yeah. innings. Uh, at Fenway this year, he has a. Da, 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 da. He is a. Oh. He's a 6.19 ERA. In three starts? In Yes, he's one and two, 16 innings pitched, 20 strikeouts, seven walks. Um, I should, or actually, I think, I feel like Devers has amazing numbers. Oh, he does. He year. absolutely does. So I, I yeah, feel he like. he crushes him. I feel like he's going to be pitched around a little bit uh, when that wild card game comes up on Tuesday. And I think the bullpen situations are going to be, there's a lot to talk about there. I think. For like the best, especially for Eovaldi, I think the best case scenario for him is that he goes six. I don't see him going any. I don't see him touching the mound in the seventh. Oh yeah, well that's just that's just an anomaly in yeah. today's in today's Ex- game in the especially playoffs. with the postseason. I'd say yeah. like the I'd say like if he can go five, great. Then if for the Reds from the Red Sox perspective, you probably have like Garrett Whitlock go maybe two. You have Ryan Brazier go one. You have Hansel Robles go one. And knowing Cora, he's probably going to throw a starting pitcher out there too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'm out of the loop. Whitlock's back. Yes, that is huge. It is very that... huge. He literally, he made his first appearance off the IL yesterday. Oh, okay. All so right. he's going to be on a day's rest. He only pitched one. Uh, do you know who we had close out the game? Uh, Nick Pavetta. Yeah, and Erod pitched the inning before that. Uh, oh, he pitched. He pitched the bottom of the eighth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I did so like, s- it's very weird because like Chris Sale, uh, Erod, and Pavetta are all going to be on one day's rest. So I don't know if they'd be available for one inning. Right, exactly, exactly. They probably will be. And then Evaldi's obviously going. And then that leaves, what, uh, Tanner Houck? Tanner Houck's probably going to pitch in that game. Yeah, there's a... I could see see him being the first guy out of the bullpen if Evaldi doesn't go more than, like, four. Yeah, obviously there's not a lot off-limits. The Red Sox bullpen situation has changed a lot since, like, Mm -hmm. uh, the end of July. Yeah, Matt Barnes has not been the same guy. Yeah, Matt Barnes... You're probably going to see Matt Barnes in the same role he was like back in 2018. They're just kind of like a middle innings guy. If um, that. If that. Maybe not Maybe not even a setup guy. Uh, Hansel Robles, I feel like, is getting like some late inning work. <laughs> He's been amazing. Yeah. Honestly, honestly, I feel like we might see more starters. If the Red Sox end up, you know, making somewhat of a run in the playoffs, I feel like we're going to see more starters out of the bullpen than we did in 2018. 100%. Because, uh, I mean, in that Red Sox bullpen, there's not a lot of well-trending uh, bullpen arms. You're right. Like, Ottavino is, is is not going well. I should actually pull up the individual statistics from that Red Sox bullpen since uh, since their win against the Yankees, uh, that comeback win, the Domingo Herman non-no-hitter. Yeah. All right, so we found some stats. So uh, Red Sox individual leader, uh, 
individual relievers since the trade deadline, July thirtieth. Uh, there's there's some there's some decent ones. You got Garrett Richards uh, out of the bullpen. Twenty six. I don't trust Garrett Richards. Twenty six and a third, three four two ERA. I'm just gonna be honest. He's been bad his last few outings, yeah. and I don't. And I, he's not he's not trending well no. in the last like few weeks. Hansel Robles, three point six zero ERA in twenty five innings. Garrett Whitlock, three four seven ERA in twenty three and a third. Then it starts getting bad. Adam Ottavino, twenty and two thirds innings pitched, six point one zero ERA. Um, what else? Uh, Phillips Valdez, he's not going to be. No, he's not going to be on the <laughs> roster. Yeah. Uh, Garrett Richards has given up a run in four of his last five appearances. Um. So I'll I'll pass on that. Yeah. Uh, who else? Where's uh Where's Matt Barnes? Yeah, Matt Barnes. Matt Barnes has a 9.26 ERA in 11 and two-thirds innings pitched since the trade deadline. He also had a COVID IL stint there. Um, it's it's honestly not as bad as I thought, uh, which is good, I guess. Um, I should look at the team bullpen ERA since the trade deadline rankings also. Their bullpen ERA since the trade deadline is 4.60, and where does that rank? Not Anywhere in the top one for sure. Not not the best. <laughs> definitely not the best. Probably not the worst. But definitely not the best. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I feel like I feel like just in the month of August it was a lot worse, and I think they've they've done a little better in the last month or so. Just kind of varies guy by guy. Uh, that their bullpen ERA since the trade deadline ranks twenty first in all of baseball. And let's look at, uh, yeah, Yankees in that time time frame, 308 ERA. That's third mm-hmm. in all of baseball. The Yankees have, like, Clay Holmes, who's been amazing for them. Loisaga is great. Yeah, it's funny because uh, – Chapman's like, been trending a lot better. Because if you looked at just the roster and the names, you'd assume the, the Yankees' bullpen just got worse. But, <laughs> yeah. no, I mean, uh, like, Clay Holmes has, has done well for them. Loisaga has, has turned into – he's done 100-mile-an-hour sinkers. Yeah, he's like, a, what are you? What are you even supposed to do with that? It's just insane uh, what he's able to throw, and he's been, he's been a stopper. Uh, Chapman is has turned it around a little. Chapman bit. Uh, has a one eighty eight ERA in his last fifteen in, uh, fifteen appearances, dating back to late August. Yeah, so he's he's right at the ship. Uh, Chad Green also has been, uh, I'd say, consistent. Although I haven't like you know been keeping crazy. Uh, yeah crazy attention there i mean but a 312 era on the year overall is good to see so definitely more confident in the yankees bullpen than the red sox bullpen so i mean i think for the red sox you just have to try to jump on garrett cole early and uh you know just like you have in in uh some games not all you know not most of the games but some games Jump on him early. Evaldi's got a got a pitch like playoff Evaldi, like playoff Yankee Evaldi as well, and uh, you know hope for the best. Hope for the best there. So I guess I don't know. Does that lead into predictions? We'll predict the wild card game. We haven't done this in two years. You go first. Uh, with the uh, with the Red Sox Yankees, how I see it going. Um, I see I see Cole giving up two runs in like uh, between five and six innings. I see Evaldi giving up uh, a couple runs as well in five to two innings. I think the Yankees are going to win four to three uh, over the Red Sox in the wild card game. Okay. Um, I think the keys to the game for the Red Sox are keep the Yankees in the park. 
Uh, Nathan Yovali has done a very good job of that all year against any team, pretty much. Yep. Outside of that one game. Um, I think he also needs to keep them off the base paths via base on balls. I think a lot of this comes down to Eovaldi's Babbitt because that's been something that's haunted him this year. Um, I think Eovaldi is going to do those things. He's going to pound the zone. He's going to keep him in the park. I think the Red Sox are going to win 5-3. Uh, to 5-3 to three yeah. Red Sox. So uh, we are we have different different uh, different opinion on this. Uh, yeah. I mean – a lot, a lot different than it used to be. We, we always had like uh, I, I feel like when we first predicted wild card games, I think we both picked Nationals and Rays. Both, yeah, we both got it right. So I mean, yeah, they come come on. Yeah, <laughs> you got to pick those teams. Um, there was no, I just, I remember there was no way the A's were winning that game in 2019. <laughs> that was the obvious one. Like I said, there's always one obvious one and one questionable one there was no chance the a's were ever going to win that game yeah it's just like it was charlie morton going in, the, <laughs> in that stadium like i don't know just, uh, yeah there's just too much foul territory for them to win a game it just it, it's not a it's not a real place i remember in 2015 when the cubs and pirates were playing i was like who is picking the pirates in this game yeah. <laughs> right like right. jake arietta's pitching the cubs are like i know that they're one game worse in record but they are just the better team Exactly. Like who who is picking the Pirates tonight? No one. Uh right. So uh now we now we preview the Cardinals and Dodgers. Uh you know, funny funny how each team was able to get in. Uh I mean Cardinals just on a red hot streak, mm-hmm. but the Dodgers are like pretty much right there with them record wise, even in their like even with their streak. And then, you know, overall in the year obviously the Dodgers have a, a major advantage. Um and we have as you pointed out, we're really seeing a Max Scherzer, Adam Wainwright wild card game in 2021. In the year 2021. No, not 2013. Yeah, <laughs> 2021. Yeah, we're seeing it, and uh, we're excited to see. It. And and they've definitely earned their spots for sure. Yeah. Uh, it's it's interesting because I mean, what, what did the what did the Cardinals do in their most recent series? Who they, they played the Cubs. They it was very weird because the last game got rained out. They were losing. I think it was three. To, it was super, super weird. So the Cardinals game got rained out in the eighth inning, so they just stopped it. The Cubs were winning, but every time I tried to check the score on MLB, uh, like the app, it, it just kept changing the score. Like I would click in. It, the actual final score was 3-2 Cubs. I would click on it. It would be like 10-3 and then 6-5, and it just kept changing. I was like, what was the final score of this game? Yeah. But it was 3-2 Cubs. Yeah. Uh, it was in the seventh inning. Paul Goldschmidt ended the year with an 879 OPS. Oh yeah, we gotta address that. <laughs> I, I'm I have to make a video compilation of us talking about this because, man, we got you gotta include last year too. Yeah, well, I gotta include last year. I gotta include the prediction episode <laughs> yeah. of 2020 because, man, this is this has stayed with us <laughs> for two consecutive years. It is absolutely incredible. So for those who don't know, uh, in 2020. Chris said that Paul Goldschmidt was the the X factor for the Cardinals, and he said that uh, if his OPS was is above 880, the Cardinals will win the division. If it's below 880, they will lose the division. And they didn't end up winning the division, but Paul Goldschmidt had I think like an 879 OPS going into his last at bat yeah. of the season, and he hit a double. Yeah. So it was wrong, but he ended up 
essentially nailing the over-under. So yeah. <laughs> as a joke, this year when we did our, our predictions and we did our questions for each team, I said Paul Goldschmidt, over-under, 880, 880 OPS. Chris took the under. The Cardinals lose the division by five games, and what do you know? He has an 879 <laughs> OPS. He's slacking It hard. couldn't be any more perfect. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you talk about, uh, about freeze-overs there. Going from 883 to 879. I mean, uh, I mean, are we seeing the down? Are we finally seeing the downfall of Paul Goldschmidt? <laughs> One thing I would like to say is that uh, he got to 50 B WAR this year for his career, so that means he's on the line of consideration now. Oh, that's good. Yeah, welcome. I I'm happy to see him do that because uh, he'll be a Hall of Famer. He's he's I'm a not Hall. That worried yeah, about he, it. He's, he's should, only like 33, I think. Yeah, he's on track, and you know, first baseman. He's He's not someone who relies on like speed or, or yeah. defense as much. So, but he is very good with defense. He is very good with defense, and obviously one of the best offensive players <laughs> uh, of the last decade. But yeah, we uh, <laughs> two years in a row just hovering around that 880 mark, and uh, wow, did not expect <laughs> did not expect that when I said that dumb thing in uh, July 2020, which uh, just <laughs> turned out to turned out to just forecast his career i guess get ready for it again next next march oh my god yeah it's <laughs> if we we need betting lines for sure we o- absolutely over need under lines. 880 yeah. uh, 2020 it was over 2021 it was under and i love that the 60 game season had like it's it was a, it was a non factor he just landed <laughs> on it no matter what <laughs> uh yeah just great stuff there what's his career ops right now it's got to be close. Actually, I think it's nine hundred. I think it's around. It's 900. definitely nine hundred. Uh, nine eleven. Yeah, not yeah. His uh, OPS is nine eleven on yeah. on his career. Yeah, great hitter though. Obviously, as he's hovering around eight eighty in his uh in his well. Yeah, that's his a 30s. that's a one that's a mid one forties OPS plus. Yeah, great, great job. Great Actually, job. let me. What was the league wide slash line this year? Oh yeah, that's right. Well, we gotta check it. Well, it was two forty four. 317 411 728 that is the same as it was in 2018 very similar wow in 2018 it was 248 318 409 728 exact same ops uh obp and slugging are within two points of each other batting average is within four points of each other yeah and i think that's a good place to be at for baseball like i feel like seven league average of like 750 is maybe a little too much. Yeah, by the way, we're also seeing the hardcore decline of stolen bases reach a new low. Uh, there was .46 stolen bases per game. It's the lowest since, it uh, looks like, 1971. Um, interesting. Yeah. Stolen the, the arc of stolen bases league-wide is so funny. Yeah, it like, is. It started, like, people were doing it, like, crazy in, like, the 1800s and the... the dead ball era then as soon as the live ball era picked up they just stopped and then in 1976 they were like you know what we're gonna steal bases again here we go and then in 2000 they were just like not just kidding no we're not yeah yeah like they were cool then not cool then cool again and then not cool again yeah exactly (laughs) uh it's it's changed very well over time because yeah like you said it pretty much disappeared in the like 50s which Mm -hmm. you would if if you ask like a casual or yeah. any any baseball fan for that matter, like nineteen fifties, they probably just they stole a bunch of bases. Did yeah. the little did the little things a little bit more. They were even less than they were now. Yeah, it's wild. But anyway, back to the wild card game that we have uh, on our plate on, yeah. for Wednesday night. Um, I, I think I'm trying to think, I what think is the Dodgers should be happy that that streak ended when it did. 
You know what's crazy? I was looking at. Um, I think a lot of people are gonna, you know, try to go be edgy and pick the Cardinals because they were hot in September. Right. Since September eighth, which is the day that the win streak started, the Dodgers are only two games worse than the Cardinals. Yeah, yeah. Like I, the Dodgers are just as hot. Like I, I can't really. I, everyone, everyone would, everyone wants to get on the Cardinals bandwagon, yeah. but it's like, I don't know, I, I. It's hard to go against the Dodgers here in Dodger Stadium with Max Scherzer on the mound mm-hmm. with that offense. Let me see if Adam Wainwright faced them this year. Um, yeah, that would be interesting. Like, uh, yeah, I feel I feel like a ton of people are going to go edgy with Cardinals. Yeah. Like, they're riding the momentum. Yeah. And they're coming in. And they're, they could, but they're coming in I'm the not relying underdogs. on it. Okay. It's like 2011 Ooh. all over again. What, a, what an interesting start. Uh, on September 8th, he faced them in St. Louis. He went eight and a third, seven hits, four earned runs, no walks, <laughs> four strikeouts. It's a classic, like, <laughs> 1928 line. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> what a weird start. Um, well, when did he give up those runs? Can you click on the yes, innings pitch? I sure can. He gave up, uh, let's see, one in the first. Oh, okay. Oh, wow, yeah. One in the first, one in the sixth, two in the ninth. All right. Interesting. This might be, when was the last time, like, this might be the longest, we might see the longest starting pitcher outing of the entire playoffs on Wednesday. Um, Potentially, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, I, I feel like the I feel like the Dodgers are, are going to get to Wainwright, though, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, That's the only time he faced them this year. Yeah, and it, it's the only time he's faced them since 2019. I don't feel like going back that far because that's probably not that important. Yeah, for prediction, I'm going. Uh, I'm going six to two Dodgers. Ooh, um, in his last five starts, Wainwright is a three six three eight six ERA, which is like right around league average. A little bit better, probably like a one, like twelve ERA plus. Yep. With a four fifty nine FIP. Mm-hmm. Um, you know he's gonna be throwing strikes. You know, we know that. He's not going to walk people. Um, Max Muncy's hurt. That is unfortunate. Right, and so is Clayton Kershaw. Um, that, that is unfortunate. Uh, what What was Muncy out with? Uh, he got, I don't know exactly, but he got hurt, like, literally on Sunday, which is brutal. Yeah, that's the worst, especially in a game that, I mean, it did, it I did mean, mean, it mean something. It did mean something, but... But in the grand scheme of things, it didn't because right. no matter what happened. Exactly. Um, Serger, I think I roughed up in his last couple games too. I believe so as well. Oh, yeah. He's given up five runs in each of his last two starts. Right, right. Um, against how, the, but at Colorado and against San Diego. Yeah. However, the, uh, the Dodgers offense, I believe in their last five games, have a 1075 OPS. Yeah. Against, I mean, Padres and Brewers. They're not bad. I mean, we know the Padres, you know, uh, pitching staff has been underperforming, but, you know, the Brewers, they have one of the better ones uh, out there. So, yeah, my my prediction was 6-2 to two Dodgers. Uh, what are you thinking about this game? Um, I'm just looking at what Serger – he's faced the Cardinals once this year. It was when he was with the Nationals in April. Six and a third, six, six shutout innings, one walk, nine strikeouts. That was a very different Cardinals team. Uh, I'm going to go 8-3 to three Dodgers. 8-3 to three Dodgers. Yeah, I think this one's not going to be particularly close. Right. Um, yeah, that Dodgers offense is just uh, yeah. very good and uh, I think primed for, for prime time here. Yeah. 
I, I, what I really wanted to see was the Giants and Dodgers playing each other in game 163 and then just playing each other again in the NLDS. Yeah, yeah. It's like, all right, see you later. We'll, we'll be back. <laughs> all right, hey, have fun. Have fun against the Cardinals, all right? Just, you know, we'll be up there Friday, Friday night. <laughs> yeah, it sucks for you guys. Our place. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what was uh, going to happen. That's what could have happened with Brewers-Cubs, but it didn't. <laughs> it could have, yeah. Um, in, in 2018. All right. And they uh, lost the Rockies. One thing I did want to say real quick, I forgot to say earlier, with Red Sox-Yankees, it is very how it's very funny how neither of those teams were supposed to be playing in the wildcard game when you look at it preseason, but for completely different reasons. True. True, yeah. Uh, we expected the Yankees to win the division. We expected the Red Sox to be in fourth place. Exactly. But here they are. They've We're all in the same place. Uh, Red Sox, Yankees. Same record. Same record, 92 and 70. One less than, the Red Sox won one less game than they did in 2016 and 17. <laughs> right. With Which is crazy when they won the division <laughs> both years. The Blue Jays would have won the the NL East. Yeah. Instead, they got fourth. By like two three, and, three two games. And a, yeah, three games or yeah. two and a half. They won 91, the Braves won 88. Yeah. Which is wild. The Braves won 88 games and they won the division like handily. Right, right. I did not think that. I thought that was going to be the NL Central and not the NL yep. East. Yep. Yeah. Uh, the Brewers were like, actually, we're going to win 95. Right, right. Um, all right. Do we want to get into uh, the last? Wow. The last. The last time in 2021 we are doing, how about that in slightly alarming statistics? Uh, it's going to be fun. This is. Take it all in. So yeah, this is uh <laughs> the go ahead. This is our 45th time doing it this year because wow. it's a, it's our 47th quote unquote regular season episode, but we skipped uh All-Star break and for the I haven't heard this name in years draft. So it's our 45th time this year doing slightly alarming statistics and how about that? So you do the math. We've done probably over 150 players. Uh so yeah. Um now for our Final edition, final 2021 edition of uh, who do you got for us today? So I am talking about one of the players in that Dodger offense uh, that has been tearing it up lately. It's Corey Seager. Oh, yeah. I'm finishing off with your NL MVP pick. Nice. Yeah, not very off the radar, but he has a 500, 545, 1075, 1621 uh, OPS. That's his slash line over the last 10 games played. Obviously, all that leads the quadruple slash line. This is one of my favorites. Uh, his average launch angle before this stretch of 10 games was 9 degrees. In this stretch, it is uh, 24 degrees. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, that's like unheard of. Even if it's even if it's that much of a discrepancy between sample sizes, that is unheard of. Uh, his ground ball rate before this stretch was 49.2%, and in this stretch, it is 26.5%. And just a little little food for thought, this that might mean nothing, but no one in baseball history has ever recorded a 1,600 OPS in their last 10 games with a franchise. Huh. Yeah. Corey Seager. Uh, yeah. It's interesting. He's, so, yeah, this is the uh, – it's never happened, but it could very well happen as – I mean, you got Trey Turner there. If you do the math, I don't think he had a sixteen hundred OPS in the last ten games. Yeah, but what I'm saying is like you got Trey Turner there. It's probably not Corey Seager in the Dodgers. Yeah, 
in, in the Dodgers uniform. Oh, 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 yeah. Probably not going to be. Probably not coming back, yeah. A thing. Um, my how about that is uh, uh, part of the Brewers rotation probably won't be in the rotation in the playoffs, but he's been doing very well. Adrian Hauser probably going to be getting some bullpen time. In his last five starts, he has a 1-5-0 ERA in 30 innings pitch. Uh, since the start of September, he ranks third in ERA out of 56 qualifiers, and out of 149 pitches, out of 149 pitchers with 50 plus batted balls against uh, since the start of September, his ground ball rate is 13th highest, and his hard hit rate against is second lowest. So, Adrian Hauser getting ground balls, getting soft contact, uh, really just kind of nibbling, nibbling around the strike zone. He is getting a. And uh, our final, of, good. our final of the season. Wow. So, uh, now we go from the highs to the lows. We're uh, talking about players or subjects that have been underperforming. Now for our final 2021 edition of. Who do you got for us today? So I don't know if you picked up on this earlier, but you mentioned this guy's name and you were like, what has he been doing? And I immediately tried to change the subject. I'm talking about Nelson Cruz. Oh. Yeah. You're like, what has he been doing with the Rays? <laughs> I was like, so like, what are your predictions for the wildcard game? <laughs> um, over his last 15 games, he is slashing 151, 220, 208 for a 438 OPS. Wow. Uh, his 25 weighted runs created plus over that time ranks fifth worst. Uh, among the 174 qualifiers. And his strikeout rate is also up from 20.6% to 30% in this time. And to be fair, if you look at his radical chart in this time, he's getting completely X-logged. Like, there are so many, like, gray dots right in, like, the where the home run, like, place on the radical chart would be. Yeah. There's, like, seven of them. Oh, wow. In, like, 15, in 15 games. So, not I'm not too worried about him, but you know I would like to see him putting the ball in play a little bit more because he was never really a huge strikeout guy right. in Minnesota in Seattle. Um, but he's kind of he hasn't been the same in Tampa. To answer your question from 30 minutes ago, <laughs> glad glad to get the answer. A yeah. full full breakdown. What 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 did you say the strikeout was again? Uh, I went from 20.6 percent to 30 percent. Okay, so nearly 10 points. Yeah, very uh yeah that's that's not good. Uh, Nelson Cruz. Slightly alarming. Um. My slightly alarming, and it is fitting that this is the last slightly alarming, and I take one of your how about that's, and I make it a freeze over. <laughs> Can we, next year, this is completely off topic, I think next year for how about that, you should go first every time. Um, we'll, like, alternate seasons completely. Yeah, that's, uh, we can do that. We can do that. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll do that. Because, uh, yeah, 2020 doesn't really count. So we'll, yeah. we'll just make that the second time around. Uh, yeah, why not? My... Slightly alarming is uh, Evan Longoria. I almost did him. Yeah. <laughs> I almost did, but I was like, I, I've gone the f- entire season without doing one comeback special or freeze over. I was like, I can't do it now. <laughs> but otherwise, I was absolutely going to do Evan Longoria. Yeah. I I mean, um, he was like, I, w- I thought you were going to, like, I was uh, potentially thinking, like, y- you weren't going to be, able, or you were going to, uh, pick that as well because i mean <laughs> it was obvious <laughs> it was obvious if you went like a certain time span so evan longoria in his he is a uh, three for his last 37 with one extra base hit uh in this span and a 213 ops uh and a 47.4 percent strikeout That's rate so bad in his last 11 games out of 168 qualifiers in this span he has the second worst average along with the worst on base percentage slugging ops and strikeout rate 
and it is the first 11-game span in Giants history by a position player with 18-plus strikeouts and an on-base percentage below 110. So Evan Longoria getting a... Slightly alarming. And a freeze over. And... And that's it. That does it. That's it for the second... The first full season of How About That and Slightly Alarming Statistics. Thank you, guys. Thank you all for joining along. This has been... It's the part we most prepare for every show. Yeah. You know, we put a lot of effort into into it. Um, we we always try to be original. And it's it's a fun way to keep up with everything. It is. It is. Uh, it, it's a good way to look at, like, trending players. Like, I will, I will look at a player... Like, I'll just be watching a game, and I'll see a player. I was like, oh, that guy was awesome in, like, the middle of June. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like... Uh, like Elias Diaz. Yeah. <laughs> That's, like, a perfect... Riley Adams. Right, right. I can't... I don't look at Michael Taylor the same anymore. <laughs> <laughs> he just got an extension. You saw that, right? Yeah. <laughs> and it was, I like, saw, two years, nine mil or something like that. I saw, like... I, I, it might have been Morosi who was like, you know, great defensive <laughs> player. I was like, what about those first six games, though, in... Uh, <laughs> In in April, yeah, uh, yeah, where he had yeah, like, shout out to him and Kyle Isbell, yeah, just Royals, <laughs> just just how many it. how many custom awards did you say you had? I have three. Okay, I have two. So let's alternate, and you go first. All right, I'll go first. This one is uh, this one is my custom year award. This one's special to me uh, because I I do in fact have a bias towards you know pitchers who just throw. 89 just try to nibble around the corner so i am introducing the the inaugural snowballer of the year adam wainwright the snowballer of the year by the way is the opposite of a fireballer (laughs) and he finds ways to get outs with low velocity so adam wainwright wins that this year out of 1825 fastballs he threw this year fastballs include four seams two seams cutters and sinkers that wainwright threw 96.3% 96.3% of them had pitch velocities of 91 miles per hour or lower. And uh, there were 18 pitchers to have 250-plus plate appearances end on fastballs that had a pitch velocity of 91 miles per hour or lower. His average WOBA and slugging were lowest among all those pitchers uh, on on those particular 91 or lower pitches, uh, 91 or lower fastballs that uh, that ended plate appearances. And... You know, his, his he had great defense behind him. Maybe he got a little lucky, but still, his expected slugging and expected woba against uh, on these pitches were second lowest among these 18 pitchers. So, uh, Adam Wainwright getting the Snowballer of the Year award. Yeah. So anyway, I got Dodgers six to two. <laughs> um, uh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the game, um, I, I still yeah. Yeah. It, the Dodgers offense. They're, they're I think too good. going forward, you should. While I'm announcing this one, you should think of some honorable mentions for your other ones and then do, like, a three finalists. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so my first custom award, it's the one you all know and love. It is the Carlos Santana of the Month Award. This is the last installment of it this year. And the sixth winner of the award is going to Matt Chapman. There we go. Of the Oakland A's. Through September and some, a small part of October, he slashed 136, 283. 136, 283. That is a almost 150 point difference. 321, 604 for a 75 weighted runs created plus. His 17.2% walk rate during this time was eighth in the majors. For those of you who do not know, the Carlos Santana of the Month Award was inspired by 
the 2020 season of Carlos Santana where he slashed 199, 349, 350 for a 699 OPS. So the award is given to a guy with a low batting average but high walk rate. And that was what Matt Chapman did in the month of September and a small part of October. Chris, it is on to you. Congratulations to Matt Chapman. Uh, just, you know, setting an, setting an, an example for the kids. And shout out to, uh, let's see, Ian Happ, Yasmani Grandal, Abraham Almonte, Bobby Bradley, Franmil Reyes. Reyes and Matt Chapman for being the six recipients of the Carlos Santana of the Month Award. Yes, congratulations. Um, all right, so uh, I have next probably the one I'm least passionate about in terms of custom year awards, but I feel like I had to do it because of another one I'm, I'm doing. Uh, I have the Powerballer of the Year, and the Powerballer of the Year is given to the pitcher or hitter with the best luck of the year uh so this year it is marcus stroman uh he had a 302 era and a 433 expected era and out of 87 pitchers with 350 plus balls in play against him he had the largest difference between woba and expected woba against in his favor uh out of 25 pitchers with 500 plus batted balls against he had the largest difference between woba and expected woba in his favor on both barrels and Hard hit fly balls. So, uh, Marcus Stroman, congratulations. Powerballer of the year. Incredible. Carrying you into free agency. So, hopefully, they don't look too much into the stat cast <laughs> numbers. Uh, who do you got for your uh, – what, what is your next custom sure. award? So, before I get into it, I just want to say that's nothing personal against Stroman. Nothing, no. yeah. It's just the numbers are what the numbers are. Yeah, it's just it's just an observation. Yes. Um, so, my next award, my final custom award is the Daniel's Choice Award. And this is this is given to the player who I talk about in the beginning of the season that makes me the most proud, <laughs> whether whether I write about them or I talk about them on the show or both. Um, this is the guy, you know, the guy who I'm proud of because they prove me right. Yes. So there's three finalists for this award. The first one is Logan Webb. Logan Webb, I wrote about him. I did not mention him on the show, but I did write about him preseason. He obviously he hit a home run yesterday. He started the game where the Giants clinched the NOS. He was one of the best starters in the league, and he has an incredible ground ball raid. Robbie Ray. He, yeah. I talked a lot about him this year. Um, he, might be, he might win the Cy Young. He cut the walks down. He's continuing on the Randy Johnson career arc that I predicted. And the third finalist is Scott Barlow, uh, one of my most passionate reliever picks for uh, players to watch this year. Uh, established himself as the closer of the Kansas City Royals. Has a really good future ahead of him. So, the Daniels Choice Award goes to, it, it's Robbie Ray, obviously, it's Robbie <laughs> Ray, why would I pick anybody else? <laughs> it, it doesn't even need any introduction. Yeah, yeah it's, it's Robbie Ray. He's probably, so, probably going to win Cy Young, that's yeah. really what you need to know. It's like, it's like when Taylor Swift is like freaking out over winning like the, the Grammys, even yeah. though it's like, yeah, obviously you were going to win. Yeah, we know. <laughs> Come on. Congratulations yeah. to Robbie Ray uh, for winning the Daniels Choice Award, the inaugural Daniels Choice Award. Yeah, congratulations, Robbie Ray. Uh, and now, now on to an, uh, an unfortunate award. It's the short end award. The short end award. I already know who's winning. Is given to the pitcher or hitter with the worst look on the worst luck on the year. And honestly, I don't know how much, how many times I'm going to give out these <laughs> awards. It's supposed to be every year, but I might not do it. But like, the numbers, the numbers I've studied on this particular individual is like, I, I can't not talk about him. Uh, and I don't think I've talked about him extensively on the podcast. I've done some Twitter threads on him, but on the podcast, I haven't really gone too deep. So, 
Eduardo Rodriguez is getting the short end award. Uh, also heading into free agency, he had a 4.74 ERA, but a 3.55 expected ERA and a 3.32 FIP in 157 and two-thirds innings pitch. He had a 3.96 BABIP against uh, with runners in scoring position, which is third highest out of the 124 pitchers to face 100-plus batters with runners in scoring position. Obviously, BABIP, the the normal number is around 300, and if you have a high BABIP against, that usually signifies uh, bad luck. Uh, not always, but most of the time it does. He had a 363 BABIP against overall, which is the highest out of 100 pitchers to face 500-plus batters this season. Out of 87 pitchers with 350-plus batted balls, uh, with 350 plus balls in play against them, Rodriguez had the highest difference between Woba and expected Woba against. Out of 70 pitchers with 400 plus batted balls against them, uh, Rodriguez had the highest difference between batting average and expected batting average against. Uh, he had a 44 point difference, uh, and the next highest had a 25 point difference between uh, batting average and expected batting average against him. By the way, not uh, not in his favor, obviously, and. Out of out of those seventy pitchers with four hundred four hundred plus batted balls against them, he had the highest average against on ground balls by twenty nine points, despite having the forty ninth highest exit velocity against on ground balls. So th- things were just sneaking through. And uh, what also should be noted, the Red Sox's infield uh, outs above average was the worst in the league. So makes a little bit of sense. The uh, Dahlbeck second base <laughs> Bogarts Devers combo uh, was not working out for uh, for Erod. Second base was a weird position for the Red Sox this year anyway. But uh, Eduardo Rodriguez, you know, it's it's not an award where you get up and cheer and celebrate, but it's nice to be acknowledged, I guess. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez, you were the inaugural, win- inaugural winner of Cristiante's short end award. Um, all right, well, uh, I guess that does it, <laughs> finally. <laughs> finally, for uh, if you're listening. I mean, this is are, This is a long one. We're about a... As of the recording, it's an hour and a half in. We're gonna cut the w- weird pauses that we had because, yeah. Uh, because yeah, we were looking for some stats, and sometimes we gotta pause for that. But still, around an hour and a half of uh, of stuff there, and we really we really went into it. And there, no preview here because we already previewed. Yep. Uh, so yeah, we hope you enjoyed this one. If you were. Uh, if you want to follow us on social media, follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Gian to follow Daniel on both Twitter and Instagram at Daniel underscore current and follow the show Instagram uh, at Above Replacement Radio for all the show needs and stuff. And check out all the social media because we got to post. Uh, we're we're going to post some of the Chris Rose clips um, and, you know, kind of isolate some of those. So watch out for that. Uh, he, if you want to see the Barry Bonds baseball reference uh, page flag, go to my Twitter at Daniel underscore Curran. Absolutely, 100%. And uh, we hope you enjoyed this one, and we hope to see you uh, on Thursday where we're going to be talking about these past two uh, wild card games along with previewing uh, all of the LDS series. Uh, so far we have White Sox Astros, Brewers, uh, Braves, and the two ones that have yet to be decided. So we will see you then.